tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Well, good morning, Neighborhood Church. Excellent, you guys. I know the kids are gone, but you know, we'll still we'll loosen up a little bit. Uh, pastors here on staff. Thank you, Ms. Haley. Um, and it was a privilege uh, uh, to be with Bible Day Camp this week. Um, I got the privilege, thank you, to uh, do the music and work with the amazing band. Give it up for the energy. It was, you know, every day, five days a week. Uh, well, five days a week. It was five days. They were intense five days, but um, it was super fun. And uh, for those of you who are visiting uh, for the first time, if you brought your kids and your kids were like, we gotta come back for Sunday. Awesome. Thank you for being here. It's great to have you here. Um, as always, uh, folks that uh, call Neighborhood Church home, great to have you guys here. Great to be here today. Um, like I said, I got the opportunity to uh, do the music with our kids and one of the things that I love about with working with kids, and, and for those of you who have kids or, or teach or do anything like that, is that with kids, the stakes are so high, right? Right, everything, you know, from playing, from dancing, right? When we would be setting up here, they would come in, you know, from the craft or from lunch or doing their Bible study, and they would dance furiously. And it's all the moves, they would floss, they would dap and do stuff that I don't even know what the words are, but they would do these things. And it was always, watch me, look at me, watch what I'm doing right now. And you know, and they'd kind of, or they'd flail around, um, or someone would bump them and they would fall over and, and they would get, you know, they would bump their arm or something like that. And the stakes were so incredibly high. Um, and I just love that about kids that everything, everything is just, um, yeah, just to the utmost. And so what we taught the kids is, uh, Pastor Lorena was talking about, our theme for the week was build your life on the rock. And that, you know, when, when craziness happens, I know the stakes are high, you know, for kids it might be a little different, but even for adults, we want to be mindful of building our life on the rock and what that means to us. And so for Sunday, we did the songs. We want to continue with that theme for us here as a church community, especially since we're talking about Psalms of Ascent, we're in the summer psalm series. We do that uh, most summers at our church. We uh, go through psalms. So like Miss Pam read, we're uh, reading from Psalm 125. And like uh, Lorena said, she went through the, um, our points. Uh, you guys don't have to shout them out, but if you do, they're right up there. So let's say them one more time. It's front number day one, to know God, God. to love God, God. To, enjoy God. to enjoy God, to glorify God, and to sh 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 share God. Some of you guys did the old stutter. That was amazing. That was so cool. Um, and so, uh, so we're, we're, we're going to unpack those things and kind of talk in a little bit about that. Also, um, we're going to go back through Psalm 125 um, and just unpack, especially the first few verses, and just talk about a few things. And then we're going to have six takeaways at the end of the message that I think are going to be helpful for us as we consider what it means to build our life on the rock. But for now, if you guys wouldn't mind, please pray with me. If you don't mind, if you're able, please stand. Um, otherwise, Otherwise, just hang out where you are, and I'm going to pray for the message. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray in your name, Christ, that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, thank you so much for the kids that were with us. Lord, uh, earlier, bless them as they go to Sunday school. Thank you for the week that we had. Lord, thank you for everyone in this room right now, Lord. Even myself, Lord God, speak to all of us through your word, Lord God, through history, through what is shared, Lord God. Speak into our hearts this morning. 
I pray that the words spoken and delivered would just uh, pierce into people's minds, Lord God. Anything that is of you, Lord, remain. Anything that is not, Lord God, let us just keep our minds on you. In Christ's name, amen. You may have a seat. And as you are sitting down, church, speaking of dancing and the stakes being high, I have a confession to make. I'm a terrible dancer. And it's, and, I mean, I play music and you think, wait, you're a musician, how could that be possible? I have good rhythm and I can keep rhythm, but dancing, oh my goodness. Have you ever done like a swing dance lesson or anything, or like salsa dance lessons? Yes. I'm the guy where it's like, I'll literally count one, two, three, four, one, two. And when I'm dancing with a partner, it's super awkward and annoying because we're not, you know, like, oh, let's enjoy ourselves. But I'm like, one, two, three, four. And for me, it's, a, I'm an internal processor. Anybody else in that boat? Any in, introverts in the room? I'm the only one? Oh my, that's, I know you. Yes, thank you very much. And I know for the introverts, you don't want to raise your hand. So I get that. <laughs> I totally get that. And for those of you who are extroverts, Pastor Mike, awesome. God bless you guys. That is a talent and a skill that I envy. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is that oftentimes with introverts, we're also like overanalyzers and overthinkers. And so I think with me, as I'm clapping, I'm like, okay, how close, how far do I get? I'm, am I on beat? And then what am I doing tomorrow? What's my grocery list? And then I quickly get off beat. And life is unsteady. Yes, thank you, Stephanie, for affirming that. Um, and so imagine my joy when reading uh, Psalm 125 and getting prepared, and it talks about those who trust in the Lord being firm and secure, being, being secure like Mount Zion, being surrounded by other mountains. And, and I think in this world, in this day and age, that's something that I know I long for. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes the world can feel unsteady, like when I dance. And please, if you're gonna get married soon, do not invite me to your wedding. <laughs> I will make a scene and fall on the dance floor and it will not be good. But if you want a crazy scene for your wedding, that's great, invite me, it'll be awesome. Um, so let's turn to Psalm 125 one more time. Uh, and let's look at the uh, first two verses and we'll start there. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. And I want to land really quick on two words. Can everybody say trust? All right, that was good for 9.27 a.m. Let's pretend it's noon. Everybody say trust. Trust. Robust side over here. We'll work on this side, but you guys are awesome. Good for being here, so trust. Now, the word for trust, I didn't, I studied Greek, not Hebrew, so I have to lean on Pastor Mike for pronunciations, but the word, the Hebrew word for trust was batach. So can you guys say batach? Pastor Mike always says really glottal, guttural words that I don't quite understand. But this word trust, I think we need to really focus in on that for a moment because yes, it means a secure confidence, but also the word, the, the root word implies a complete giving over to hope. It's a confidence, it's reliability, but there's a sense of hope in that confidence. Hope in God's promises, hope in the security, hope in in this mountain, and and we'll get into a little later what the implication is of a mountain, but something solid and secure, that I could trust that something is there, but also I have a hope based on promise, a hope based on history, a hope based on testimony. Uh, Two other words I want to look at is this time forth and forevermore. 
Um, and I won't have, I, you guys don't have to say this time forth or forevermore, but forevermore, it's, I, I love Jewish thinking because it's so different than, well, ancient Jewish Near Eastern <laughs> thinking. It's so different than Western thinking. Oftentimes when I look at the word forevermore at the end there, I'm so future oriented as a Westerner, as an expansion, you know, like, hey, we're going here, we're progress on and upward. In the Hebrew uh, lexicon and Hebrew thought, forevermore means as much back as it does forth. And so forevermore, it talks as much about ancient times long forgotten, God being before the beginning, crafting, right? Knowing God, for Bible Day Camp, we talked about how God is the master builder, and for the kids, and for you, for adults, for whoever's here, we got all ages in here still, you are God's masterpieces. You are crafted intentionally. Every day that you lived, even before you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, was intentionally crafted and curated by the master builder. And not only the days before, but the days unknown to us, I remember in college once uh, um, uh, a guy was giving, or not in college, it was in high school. We were going to college and we were graduating and, and the speaker, he got this whole scroll of paper and he said, this is your life. And then he tore off a little corner and said, this is what you have now. You don't know what's on the rest of this, but this is what you have now. But we have so much more on that paper. And then forevermore is one word in that passage in verse two, but also this time forth. It, in Hebrew, this time forth, the word is, uh, it's pronounced ata. Can you guys say? Oh, that was very good. You sound like Klingon. Any Star, Star Trek fans? Again, I'm the only one. I'm an introvert. That's okay. Uh, but ata, that's actually, I, I, I love Spanish. I, I try hard to speak Spanish, and so I try and keep it going. A word that I would love to substitute in for that is aurita. Can you guys say aurita? Uh, any Spanish speakers, can you translate that for me really quick? Yes. Now. Yeah, now. Now, right now. Right, like bengaki aurita. Like maybe parents, you might say that to your kids if they do something wrong. Come here right now. Why I like to camp on that is that verse two, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds His people right now, immediately. God is for us. God knows when we're in the moment, when something is happening, when there's something stressful, maybe it's an illness or a sickness, maybe it's a car accident. He is available for us right now. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, toward the Lord, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked from him. And it's interesting because in the context, a lot of people will be like, well, I'm going to pray for a million dollars and everything like that. That's great. But in the context of the scripture, it talks about if there's a brother that you know who's struggling with sin, pray for them immediately. If you're struggling with something, again, health issue, car accident, whatever it might be, come to God quickly. Have you ever had that moment where and full transparency, I have this moment often where you might get wrangled up into a bad situation and it's, if only I would have thought ahead. And if I'm being honest, I can usually pinpoint the exact time way back here where God was giving me an out and he was warning me by his Holy Spirit. 
oftentimes I wish I would heed that then. And that's part of what it means to build our life. What we've been talking to the kids about is to sensitize ourselves, to listen to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, to God talking to us back here. So it helps us not be in this situation right there. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not um, common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he always provides a way of escape. That place way back here that I hear and I know that we do, that we all have experienced that. A way of escape so you can be able to endure that. So we have reason to trust in God. He is the master builder. The universe is too evident. It's too replete and wrought with evidence that there's a fine tuner. There's a maker of the world. And for the psalmist writing this psalm 2,500 years ago, or for us today in 2023, it's pertinent and relevant and present for us. And so what does that mean for Bible Day Camp? Well, Bible Day Camp, built your life on the rock was our theme. And our theme verse was Matthew 7, 24. That says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And that's great. But it begs the question, what, what are Jesus' wise teachings? Or, or, or what are Jesus' teachings that would make us to be wise? So we want to ask that. We need to ask that. I'm going to give you like the flyover version <laughs> really quick, but, but we'll unpack why it's important and we'll get to it to a landing point. Uh, like I said, six takeaways. So to give you guys just the, the, the 30,000 airplane view of what teaches, Jesus teaches, talks about Matthew 22. I know a lot of you know this verse. 37 through 40, uh, there was a, a, a guy, a young guy asking Jesus, Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your heart. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say neighbor. Hey, this is neighborhood church. What a plug. <laughs> but seriously, you love your neighbor as yourself. Love someone next to you. My neighbors are people that don't look like me and act like me, but I'm called to love them. On these two commandments depend all of the law and of the prophets. If you go back in the Old Testament and you look at all of that, it's all hallmarked and notated, almost footnoted with, with love, caring for your neighbor, helping the sojourner, the traveler, the, the, the alien, the person who does not belong, help them, love them, show them the grace of God so that they might too follow the Lord and follow his commands ultimately. Fast forwarding in Jesus' life, Matthew 28, uh, this is post-resurrection. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That was our last block for Bible Day Camp. Share God, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the triune one God that we believe in and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even till the end of the age. There's that steadfastness, that sturdiness, that trust that we have in the Lord, that he is with us immediately in all circumstances, our highs and even our lows. Church, have you ever been in the midst of sin and stopped and engaged with the Lord? It's, it's weird because sometimes we have this, oh, if I'm, if I'm in a bad situation, oh, God doesn't want to mess with me. God's there already. And he wants to be with you even in the midst of that. And 
church, if we find ourselves repeatedly in sin or struggling or hard situations, engage the Lord every time and he will start giving you those moments of escape or change of trajectory, change the conversation, maybe having more of a sensitive heart, maybe getting a little bit more boldness, whatever it might be, he will speak to us in those moments. Another point that I want to make of Jesus' teachings is from John 14, 6 through through 7. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Everybody say the way. The way. It sounds like a radio station. Yes, thank you. (laughs) The truth. Awesome over here. This side's getting good now. Everybody say it again. The truth. Yeah, you sound like, you know, WWF wrestlers from way back in my day. So cool. And the life life. Vida, right? Not vida loca. Vida. Uh, The life. The life. Jesus encompasses all of these things. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know God the Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. This is Jesus claiming lordship, claiming godship. This week, I saw an amazing play down in Irvine. Um, it was based, it was C.S. Lewis. It was called Further Up, Further In. You have to see it. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. Any C.S. Lewis fans in the house? Yes. Yes. See that hand back there. It is so good. It's kind of like a summary, a monologue slash narrative. It's amazing. You have to see it. But C.S. Lewis is famous for having a, a phrase that if we really want to take Jesus seriously, right, most people in the world would concede Jesus is a great teacher. He's a wise man. But C.S. Lewis would say, well, if you're really taking what you're saying seriously, you have to say, well, Jesus claiming godship and claiming... and." claiming that he's going to be alive after his death, he would be insane. Or maybe something more evil. But if he is what he claims to be, if he is actually our Lord, well, then that changes everything. He can't just be some cool guy that we read about in history who's dead. If we really want to be honest. And, and there are people who wrestle with that, you know, and, and really, you know, convince themselves, I just can't believe in resurrection. I just can't believe in X, Y, Z. That's something that people are processing with. But if we're really to wrestle with this, a great series of books, The Case for Faith, The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel, definitely check those out. We have some materials here in the lobby that you can pick up if that's something you're struggling with. And that's okay, because that is a tall leap, <laughs> right? And it's okay to say that. But I am convinced, much like people like C.S. Lewis convinced, much like the disciples were convinced that shared this story, that Jesus is the Lord God. Now, that, that passage, our theme from Bible Day Camp of building your house on the rock on Jesus, it also, that begs the question, not just what is Jesus, what does he teach, but what happens to the people that don't build their house on the rock, right? What's the inverse of that? Verses 25 and 26 unpack that. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And the metaphor, the analogy that Jesus completes goes like this. The house that's built on the sand, not on something solid, something firm, is washed away. That's supposed to be a gift there. I didn't have time to figure out how to make it go, but it's a house. That picture is supposed to be a house crumbling. And we see that so often, especially we've had so much rain recently. We know what that looks like when something a huge structure falls and crumbles. A monolithic structure is destroyed. We know what that looks like. And so why would we want to build our house anywhere but where, where Jesus says? 
So like if, if to not build your house on Jesus means like a house falling apart, why wouldn't we want to build our house like that? Let's revisit verses one and two of Psalm 125 one more time. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore, right? We talked about how cool and awesome those words are. But if you're anything like me, if you're curious like me, you might be like, what is Mount Zion? (laughs) What does it have to do with Jerusalem? What? I talked about Star Trek earlier. I grew up a video game nerd, you know, and like, I feel like Zion is a word that I hear in sci-fi movies now, right? The Matrix, Zion is the city in video games. Ooh, this place is Zion. But what does that mean? The simple answer is that Zion is literally the hilly area where Jerusalem is. In the Old Testament, Mount Zion was the epicenter of Jewish religious, social, political, and cultural power. It was literally where the city of Jerusalem was. It was the city of David. Eventually, the temple was in that area. You can see if we can have the next slide. Yes, you can see on the map, and there's Mount Zion there. That's a map of Jerusalem. The top map there is, we got the Mount of Olives. This is as if you're looking um, southeast to north. And then right there, that little guy, maybe for the next series. Look it up on Google. I found these images on Wikipedia. But it's right, it's, it's the epicenter. It's where... Jerusalem is, it's where, where all the activity of God's um, activity happened with the Jewish people. And it was also an embodiment of his promises to them. It was a place, it, it, in fact, the Psalms of Ascent, the, the reason this uh, sermon series through the summer that we're talking about, the reason it's called the Psalms of Ascent is because pilgrims would either write these or, ch- or recite these as they were going up from the surrounding area, going up to Jerusalem. It's about uh, 2,500 feet uh, above sea level, right? And you think the Dead Sea is right over there too. That's below sea level. So people are literally coming up. And in ancient times... This was a common practice, actually, for most, uh, virtually all ancient peoples in history, that they would look at mountains, look at these places that were immovable, these, these strong fortresses. They were landmarks, right? Because they would never move. They navigated by them. The history of mankind, ancient peoples, to them, mountains were immovable objects wrought with mystery and danger, but also security if you can maintain a population there. And when we come to a mountain, we, it causes our eyes to look up and consider something stronger, mightier, bigger than ourselves. That's why you see in, in human culture, we have um, Mount Olympus, right? If you know your Greek uh, mythology, we have Mount Kailash in Tibet, which is actually uh, four different, I think, Hindus, um, Buddhists, and two other religions look at that as their holy place. Even Hara Berzeti in, uh, for Iranian mythologies is, is a holy place. Humankind's, we, we need something to worship. Our eyes are often drawn upward, right? Just like my goofy, silly dancing analogy, right? Life is hard. Think about if you lived 5,000, 3,000 years ago, life is extremely hard. You would go, you would be drawn to these places, these high places, But ladies and gentlemen, we are a species that we do recognize the sacred, yet we long to glorify ourselves or even just be in control. 
So in, in ancient times, in addition to those mountains, we see other things that mankind builds. We see like the pyramids, the, the, the Central American ziggurats, right? The steppe uh, temples. We see other things in Indochina. All over the world, there's these mountainous constructions of man that are made to glorify us, to have these created deities for fertility, rain, um, uh, uh, evil and good. And, and these are vicariously people, warlords, worshiping themselves. Uh, it, we see it illustrated perfectly in Genesis chapter 11. If you've heard of the Tower of Babel, anybody hear that story? A good Sunday school story, right? That's when mankind people, they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower. Everybody say tower. tower. With a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Some translations say that we might be like gods ourselves. That's such a, a natural proclivity of man that we see throughout history. The evidence is clear. Like the pyramids, the, these, these objects that still stand today. See, I don't know about you, but whenever I feel like I'm out of control or I'm tempted by something, I want control. I want to be in charge of my life when I'm dancing. I want to say, hey, I'm a musician. I can keep time and I'm going to keep dancing even though I'm fumbling all over myself. We have this desire to, to say, I know what's right. Regardless of what scripture says, regardless of what we know to be right. A Gallup poll has shown uh, in the last three years in, in uh, American culture a steady decline in confidence in institutions. Whether it's government, banks, religious institutions, the educational system, there's been a cultural decline, and I'm sure it's, it's long since that, but we see it so palpable these days. And much like ancient man, even though we're not building pyramids today, we're, we're trying to redefine different structures different ways of interpretation, right? A man could be a woman now, right? Gender roles are, are what I say they are. We talk about late-term abortion in the sense of it's healthcare. We wanna reform law enforcement by vilifying it. We wanna promote education by undermining parental involvement or rebrand a sense of soft pedophilia as a parade. These might be moments where we're trying to take control. We're trying to say, this is, this is the way it ought to be. This is how I define things. Jesus himself says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Throughout history, we see mankind looking up to the mountains. Where, where do we go to find the Lord? And today, we, we try and find it in ourselves. What is my truth? How can I figure that out? But again, the Gallup polls say that people are, are so lonely and distraught these days, even though we're more interconnected than ever before in history. There's also a Gallup poll that says people who have a strong sense of religion or follow organized religion are more fulfilled in life and handle trauma and serious illness better than those who claim not to follow or an organized religion. There's something about the steadiness of God, the steadiness of the rock that he is, that we are drawn towards naturally. In John chapter four, there was a woman that Jesus met in, um, at a well 
and she was a little bit of a different of faith, and they were talking about who is the Messiah, who is the coming Lord, and she said, well, my faith, we believe that God is on this mountain, and you guys, Jesus, you guys believe God is in Jerusalem. Jesus tells her in verse 21 of chapter 4, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. C.S. Lewis would say that Jesus is different from all other religious gurus, right, who, who, would, who would encourage you, find enlightenment, search for enlightenment, go find reality, connect with the universe. You know, if you believe in, in the words of scripture, that's great. That's a positive thing, right? That's what most religious gurus throughout history have claimed. But Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. If you know God, you know me. If you know me, you know God. There's a point where we have to either agree and assent to that or not. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For, the, for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. When we believe in Jesus, scripture says that God himself comes and dwells within us. Those high places, those mountains that human beings have craved and longed after and sought after and even tried to build themselves for all of human history. Christianity, Jesus says that, follow me, trust in me, and I will fellowship with you. These are sacred spaces, right? Archaeologists might call the pyramids a sacred space or or, or Notre Dame a sacred space. And yes, churches are great, you know, cathedrals, but neighborhood church, this is a sacred space. The songs that we were singing with the kids, Bible day camp, the last five days, those have been sacred spaces because as those 29 kids were accepting Christ, lives were being changed forevermore. At that immediate moment, that atah, but also forevermore. Verse 3, 4, and 5 of Psalm 125 says, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands and do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead evildoers. The Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Pain happens, hardship happens. It's okay to ask why. That's a good thing. Because God will immediately be in the midst of that, ministering to us. That's why it's a sacred space when when Christians and believers gather. When hard times happen, we ought to reach out to brothers and sisters, to people that we can talk to, that we can meet with, that we can have a sacred time with to wrestle with these big questions, these hard questions, whether it's illness, car accidents, whatever it might be, family members having struggles. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, this is uh, the story of Joseph, which is so beautiful. He's talking to his brothers and he said, what you meant for evil against me, God has meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. 
Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God's work for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And it's not saying that, that all things are good. Pastor Mike, I love how you remind me of that. God's not saying that all things are good. Just go with it, right? But God uses all circumstances to, 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 to shape them, to morph them, to craft them. The master builder that he builds to help us, to strengthen us. Now, six takeaways as, as we're wrapping up this message. And I encourage you, if, if, if you are a follower of the Lord, awesome, amen. Share the story, right? The, the, the five building blocks that we talked about for Bible Day Camp. Do that, glorify God, enjoy God, share him, know him, love him. But if this is, if this is new stuff to you, think about these takeaways. Talk to someone. Talk to me after the, uh, after the service. Talk to Pastor Mike. We have some elders here. We're going to have a time of prayer in a moment. But wrestle with this. If this is new information to you, wrestle with this. Or if this is old information, I've heard this a million times. I'm 66 years old and this is the millionth time that I've heard this. Wrestle with it. If it's not something that's true to you or if it's something that like, "Ah, I wish I was better. I wish I was consistent. Plug into this church. Plug into a church around you. Connect with people. Connect with groups. Six takeaways that I want to read through really quick. And if you want to take notes, you can jot them down. From this passage that we read in Psalm 125, there is security in the Lord. He is trustworthy. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings. Man, I'm a goofball. You guys probably can tell. If I leaned on my own understandings, I would be falling over all the time. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your path straight. Number two, God lives in us when we believe in him and this is a sacred space. Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body or glorify God in all that you do. Next takeaway, he knows us completely. Our entire existence, he knows. Psalm 139, uh, Pastor Mike loves to quote it and it's amazing. For we are knitted together. God knits us together in our mother's womb. He saw us in our unformed substance. In your book were written every one of my days that were formed for me. Next takeaway, God is aware of evil and pain in the world and he helps us. It's amazing sometimes when we look back in retrospect and even though hard things happen in life, we can see God's movement in that. Speaking of C.S. Lewis, it was, um, he, was, uh, he wrote a book uh, uh, in the late 1930s, uh, early uh, 1940 called The Problem of Pain. And, and it, was, it was popular and the BBC contacted him and said, we want to uh, uh, have you read this just, just on, on a lark. We, we think it'll be good. You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff. War seems to be looming in 1940 um, in England, if you guys know your history. C.S. Lewis, we want you to be on the BBC and, and give um, talks about your book, The Problem of Pain. We think it'll help people. Okay. The same month that he launched these weekly radio commentaries on dealing with pain, the Blitz started. There was eight straight months of bombings of London. Hundreds of people died. That's pain, right? We see stuff like that today. But in God's providence, he orchestrated that to happen and to match up so that people would have something for reprieve or, or, or for blessing to help them with that. 
Lastly, something that we want to consider, or, or, or two more things, God works all things for good, like we talked about earlier, and also deal with unresolved sin. That's something huge, and, and full transparency, church, that's something that, that I try and be proactive in. To sacred spaces and where we bless people, we talk about hurts and pains, but if you're dealing with something, something hard in your life, talk with someone about it. I call up Pastor Mike often, <laughs> and he can attest to that, and that's something that's, it's good that we orient ourselves towards God because when we're stuck in the mire, when we're lost, it's so easy for me, like my dancing analogy, to slip and to fall and to try and control the situation and just not do well with that. But that's one of the reasons why we have each other, to have these sacred moments where we can confess, we can talk through things, we can have new ideas and good ideas. So church, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to have a time of reflection. And so what I'm going to ask is any of uh, the the elders or pastors on staff, if you guys wouldn't mind standing up right now, and I'm going to invite the band to come back up onto the stage. We're going to have, uh, I'm just going to close our our message time with prayer. Um, But as we sing this next song, and actually can I ask everybody, if you're able, please stand up. If you're not able, totally fine, but otherwise, please stand. This is your time to pray with each other in your seats or these folks along the sides uh, of of the room here. We got the lights dim. If this is something that piques your interest, get prayer. If there's something you're struggling with, get prayer. If there's something you're rejoicing in. If your kids have had such an amazing time the last five days and they are bonkers usually and you're relieved that they had such a blessed time, please tell us. Please let us know. That's awesome for us to hear. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. Thank you for your holiness, God. Thank you that you are worthy. Thank you that you do help us, Lord, in times of need and hard times. Let us wrestle with what it means to build our lives upon you, Lord. And if we're asking that question for the first time, Lord, let us seek an answer. Whether it's here at Neighborhood Church or another uh, good church locally, Lord, be with us and speak to us even at these moments now. In Christ's name, amen.